You are Locked On Mets, your daily New York Mets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello to all you amazing Mets fans. You're listening to Locked On Mets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. To get this show every day, follow us wherever you get your podcast. You can also tell your smart device to play Podcast Locked On Mets. Now, the Mets had an off day on Monday, but they are about to begin a two-game series against the Baltimore Orioles tonight. That is taking place in Baltimore. I will preview that series in the second segment of today's show, but I want to lead things off talking about Joey Lucchese, who has really turned things around over his last three starts. I want to talk about what he maybe changed to get those better results and what we can expect from him moving forward. Then in the second segment, as I said, I'll preview this upcoming series, as well as talk about David Peterson and his struggles as he will be on the mound in the first game of this series. Then... In the final segment, I want to talk a little bit about Billy McKinney and the Mets situation in the outfield right now. The Arizona Diamondbacks are listening to trade offers for David Peralta, so I'll revisit that and whether the Mets have room for Peralta and what McKinney's status will be with this team throughout this season and moving past this season if there's a long-term future with the Mets. Before we get to any of that, though, I'm your host, Ryan Finkelstein. If you want to find any of my work, follow me on Twitter, at Finkelstein Ryan. You can also find some out writing about the Mets at MetsmerizeOnline.com. So Joe Lucchese has pitched to a 5.79 ERA this season across 28 innings pitched. But there's been a clear line of demarcation over his last three starts as compared to his first six appearances. As you may know, he did have an appearance out of the bullpen. They tried to have an opener for him on a couple of his starts or scheduled start days. And overall, it just was not working. Over his first six appearances, Lucchese had a 919 ERA. His whip was 1.53. The strikeout rate was actually pretty good at 10.1 strikeouts per nine. But the walk rate of an even three was not good. And the big one, batting average against, was 306. Now, over his last three starts, Lucchese has pitched to a 146 ERA. His whip... Over those three starts is 0.81, the strikeout rate 9.7 strikeouts per nine, walk rate 2.2 walks per nine, batting average against 167. So that is a huge difference. And if you want to know what has changed that has maybe led to that success, you can focus in on his release point. I'll probably put this on social media, so follow me at Finkelstein Ryan if you want to see it yourself, but I pulled up the release point chart from his start against the Cardinals on May 3rd, where he gave up six runs on seven hits, and then his most recent start against the Padres. And you can see that arm angle, that release point, has been dropped to more of a three-quarters release as opposed to coming over the top. You're looking at about a foot difference between where his arm angle was before, that release point before, and to where it is now, which is causing more run on his pitches. He's getting the movement that he would like, and he's not hanging as many pitches in the upper half of the zone. If you go back to that start against the Cardinals, 
there was a lot of churves that were coming in at the upper half of the strike zone. Now, what you're seeing is he's rarely throwing that churve above belt high to batters. He's working that churve on the bottom half of the zone where it needs to be, and there's been a great uptick in his success with that pitch. If you look at whiff rate over his last three starts, his whiff rate on the churve is 43.3%. Over his first six starts of the season, it was 35.5%, which is still good because it's a good pitch, but when he was missing before, he might miss high, and that was giving batters a great pitch to square up and hit for a lot of power, whereas now if he's missing, he's missing low where they can't hurt him. If you look at the three starts, it began against the Marlins where he struck out eight and faced the minimum through four innings. The only hit he allowed was a race by a double play ball. Then against the Colorado Rockies, he didn't make it out of the fourth inning, but he definitely pitched a lot better. He was pulled with two outs and two runners on in the fourth. Drew Smith came in, gave up a hit that allowed an inherited runner to score, which was the only run that Lucchese allowed. Finally, you had this start against the Padres on Friday. Manny Machado hit a solo homer in the first inning. Other than that, no runs allowed. Almost made it through five innings with two runners on and two outs. The Mets went to the bullpen. Now, it's interesting to note that the Mets went to the bullpen with Tommy Pham due up, who was the leadoff batter for the Padres in Friday night's game. And that is something that you had to look at with Lucchese because even though he is certainly pitching a lot better, I don't know if there's going to be confidence in him to face a lineup three times through. You go back to the Marlins start. There was a lot of debate. Why are the Mets pulling Joey Lucchese? As I said, he faced the minimum through four innings, had eight strikeouts. Yet the Mets decided to pull him when he was at, I don't have it in front of me, but I believe he was, was it below 60 pitches? He did not throw that many pitches that game. And so if you go back to that, I was listening on the radio and Howie was beside himself as to why Joey Lucchese was pulled from that game when he was dealing. But the reality is, this is what the Mets are looking at when it comes to these pitchers. They're looking at the advanced metrics. Well, he was at 43 pitches against the Marlins. And they pulled him after four innings and eight strikeouts. But if you look at where the Marlins were in the lineup, they had Adam Duvall, Brian Anderson, and Garrett Cooper do up to lead off the fifth inning. Now, for the season, Joey Lucchese has a 6.95 ERA against righties, 1.50 against lefties. So you have three big, powerful right-handed bats. He was going to face the lineup again. This was the third time through. He did face the top of the lineup in the previous inning against the Marlins in the fourth, but that was the heart of the lineup with a lot of right-handed power bats that the Mets did not want him to face. If you look at his career... Joey Lucchese gets worse each time the lineup sees him. The first time through for his career, batters are hitting 227 against him with a 288 on base percentage, a 396 slugging percentage. The OPS against is 684. You go to the second time through. That average climbs up a bit to 243. The on base percentage, 297. The slugging percentage is 420. OPS, 717. Then you go to the third time through the lineup. Batting average against 312 on base percentage 395, slugging percentage 548, 943 OPS. 
He's given up 11 home runs when the lineup faced him for the third time through in less than half of the at-bats or the plate appearances as he has seen them in the other two situations, the first time or the second time through, where his home run rate is not clearly as bad. Also, the strikeout-to-walk rate, if you compare the three you have first time through the lineup, strikeout-to-walk rate of 3.73, second time through, 3.66, third time through, strikeout-to-walk rate of 1.36. So if you're Lucchese and you're trying to break that narrative and you have expressed an interest to go deeper into games you want to be relied on and probably respected as a normal starting pitcher that can give a team six innings, it's very hard to break through that narrative and get the analytics team to accept that when they have so much empirical data that tells them, don't let this guy face a lineup for a third time. But that does not mean he can't be a very competent piece in this Mets rotation. If you go in with the mindset that he's going to face a lineup two times through and hopefully keep him off the board and he gives you four great innings every fifth day and you have a Robert Gazelman, maybe Sean Reed Foley back from Syracuse, Seth Lugo ready to go after him and bridge that gap from Lucchese to the back end of your bullpen, that is certainly good enough to win, and I think the Mets will take that while they're waiting on Carlos Carrasco to come back and hopefully even Noah Syndergaard. So right now, what we're seeing from Lucchese is we're seeing that drop in release point, which has led to a lot better movement with his sinker and his churve. We're noticing a lot more consistency in those pitches. He's able to really sequence them in a way that he is getting a lot of batters out. He's pitching at a high level. And he might only be a four-inning starting pitcher right now, but you know what? He's a damn good one. On the other hand, David Peterson has presented his own challenges to the Mets. I'll talk about that as I preview the Mets series against the Baltimore Orioles in just a minute. Who doesn't want instant gratification? If you're looking for satisfaction, there's no need to wait. With Credit Karma Money, you could win cash reimbursements for your debit purchases. Credit Karma Money is a brand new checking account where you can win cash reimbursements for making purchases using your Credit Karma Money debit card where you can win instant karma on your daily purchases. Just pay with your debit card and if you win, you'll be notified on the spot and your instant karma cash will be added back into your spend account. Open your FDIC spend account for free. There's no minimum balance requirements, no overdraft fees, and free withdrawals from a network of over 50,000 ATMs. Right now, visit creditkarma.com slash winmoney to open your free account and start winning Instant Karma. Go to creditkarma.com slash winmoney to sign up for free and start winning your Instant Karma. Instant Karma is sponsored by Credit Karma. No purchase necessary. Exclusions and terms apply. See rules. Banking services provided by MVP Bank Incorporated. Member FDIC. Maximum balance and transfer limits apply. One reason to repair and maintain your cars is to save money. So why would you choose to spend 30%, 50%, maybe even 100% more for the exact same auto parts at a chain store or new car dealership when you can just get them at rockauto.com, a family business that's been serving auto parts to customers online for 20 years. They have everything you could want from engine control modules to brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks and have it delivered directly 
to your door. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Make sure you write locked on in there. How'd you hear about us, box? So they know that we sent you amazing selection, reliable low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Rockauto.com. So the Mets will play the Baltimore Orioles again for a two game series. The Orioles are a little bit hot right now. They've won four of their last five games. But if you rewind a little further back from that, they had a 14-game losing streak. So combine it, and the Orioles have lost 15 of their last 19. <laughs> Just depends on how you want to frame that. The Mets swept their two-game series against Baltimore back in May, and they really need to do the same here. I talked on yesterday's show about the schedule that lies ahead for the Mets and why it's really important to go into that really taxing stretch of 34 games in 31 days leading into the All-Star break, eight games above 500 if the Mets were to sweep this series because it gives you that cushion just in case you do fall back a bit to stay atop the division. The Orioles this year are 21-38, and 38, and they're 10-20 and 20 at home. So this isn't a situation like the Rockies where they're at least a good home team. The Orioles are bad everywhere. Bruce Zimmerman is going to go against David Peterson in Game 1. Zimmerman is a 26-year-old rookie, has a 4.96 ERA this year across 49 innings pitched, 1.53 whip. He throws his fastball at 92 miles per hour. He also throws it 44% of the time. And batters are hitting, wait for it, 444 against the pitch. Based on expecting batting metrics like expected batting average and expected slugging, this is one of the worst pitches in baseball, which naturally means... He's due for, what, seven or eight innings, a scoreless ball against the Mets, you figure? We'll see. This is not a pitcher that the Mets lineup should struggle with. Left-handed starter, so you'll have all your righties in there. Um, We'll see what that turns into. Brandon Drury maybe gets the start. Uh, See if Jonathan VR comes back and gets a start dealing with that hamstring injury. Jose Peraza, a right-handed bat that'll be in the lineup for sure. We'll see what happens with the rest of the starting lineup, but we know the pitcher is going to be David Peterson. And unfortunately, when we talk about expected batting metrics against, Peterson could also be classified as one of the worst pitchers in baseball. And it's really been a tale of two seasons for Peterson. He has 10 starts this year, five of them good, five of them terrible. Four quality starts where he went six innings, gave up three runs or less, and also one you can throw in there against the Phillies on May 2nd, where he gave up just one run over five innings pitch. You look at the four quality starts with that other start against the Phillies, he has a 2.67 ERA in five of his 10 starts. And that's across 30 and a third innings pitched. Then you go to the other five starts. Hasn't made it out of the fifth inning once in any of those other five. Has been knocked out of the game before completing four or three times has a 12.56 ERA, and has only gone 14 and a third. So that is clearly showing the roller coaster of a season he's had. The great times, the bad times. You put it all together, his ERA for the season is 5.89. His expected ERA for the season is 5.86. If you go back to last season, his rookie year, David Peterson pitched to a 3.44 ERA. Now, the expected metrics kind of told you that he was a little bit fortunate to have such a low ERA 
his expected ERA last year was 4.39. This year, as I said, expected ERA, actual ERA, very close. The biggest difference that you can see this year is batters are just squaring up Peterson a lot more frequently. His barrel percentage this year is nearly 12. Last year, it was 7.2. The hard hit percentage has gone up. All the expected batting metrics are among the worst in baseball. Things aren't going well for Peterson, and a big reason is his slider. Last year's slider was his best pitch. I mean, it is supposed to be his best pitch. Batters hit just 119 against it last year. The expected batting average against that slider was 133. Again, that's telling you it was a dynamic, really tough to hit pitch. When you go to expected slugging percentage last year against the slider for Peterson, it was 250. And the actual slugging percentage against it was 254. This year, batting average against his slider is 327. Expected batting average is 308. Slugging percentage against his slider is 633. Expected slugging percentage is 596. So those jumps are really stark. We've seen them kind of across the board with his other pitches as well, just not quite as pronounced as they are with his slider. And what's interesting is the whiff percentage on his slider hasn't dropped that much. Last year, whiff percentage was 37.1%. This year, it's 36.2%. So what that tells you is he's still throwing a pretty good slider, but he's hanging way more of them. And so when he misses, instead of missing out of the zone, he's missing over the heart of the plate, and that's resulting in a lot of problems. You also look at the movement. Last year, 43.2 inches of vertical drop on the slider, 6.8 inches of horizontal drop. This year, 40.5 inches of vertical drop, 4.8 inches of horizontal drop. So he has lost inches of drop on his slider, both vertically and horizontally. That's not a good recipe for success. We'll see, though. This is an Orioles team that he can certainly carve up, had some success against them in his rookie season. Maybe he finds more this year. He did not start in that series against the Orioles earlier on this season. The second game of this series will be a matchup between Taiwan Walker and Matt Harvey. There certainly won't be the same fanfare as there was last time out where Harvey faced off against the Mets at City Field, but that really did seem to derail his season. He went into that start with a 3-6-0 ERA, gave up seven runs against the Mets at City Field on May 12th, and since he has pitched to a 12-9-6 ERA in his past five starts, raising his season ERA to 6.62. Walker as you know, has been great all year, has a 2.17 ERA, needs to cut down on the walks that led to some problems in his last start, but there's no reason why he can't dominate this Orioles lineup, and the Mets should be able to win that game, you would imagine. So with all that being said, this is a very important series for the Mets. You have two games against a bad team, sandwiched between two rest days before a daunting stretch to head out into your all-star break with, again, 34 games in 31 days. We'll see what the Mets do later on tonight. But in just a minute, I want to talk about the Mets situation in the outfield right now. Billy McKinney has done a really nice job, but with Brandon Nimmo and Michael Conforto still far away from returning, is it time to get a more stable and concrete upgrade that can start in the lineup every day? I'll talk about that in just a minute. But Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way 
to bet on all of your sports action. Whether it's the NBA playoffs, the NHL playoffs, or Major League Baseball, BetOnline has you covered. They even have awards TV shows and reality TV with real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news scores and odds, the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. So head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with our promo code Locked on. Again, that's promo code locked on to receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. So before we close out the show, I wanted to spend a little bit of time talking about the Mets' current situation in the outfield because right now we've seen a lot of Mason Williams, Billy McKinney, obviously Dominic Smith with Kevin Pillar mixed in now that he's off the injured list. And the question is, is that good enough to ride this out and wait for the reinforcements in Brandon Nimmo, Michael Conforto, even Jeff McNeil? Because when McNeil comes back, you could if you wanted to, Put him out in right field. We've seen them do that in the past. You could put Jonathan VR in center field. He has a little bit of experience doing that throughout his career. So the Mets have a little bit more options when they get some of their regulars back. But right now, the best case scenario for Brandon Nemo or Jeff McNeil is probably getting back by the end of this month. It seems like McNeil is a little bit ahead of Nemo, but it's so tough to tell until either of these guys get a rehab assignment. And there's been no real mention of Michael Conforto and his return, so maybe all-star break. That's pure speculation on my part. You might see Conforto around then, but you just can't predict anything right now when it comes to these guys. And with that uncertainty, can you stick with this group in the outfield every day? Mason Williams has shown some flashes, but consistently, is he going to be a solid performer? Kevin Pillar, Billy McKinney, what are your thoughts here, right? Are the Mets going to be able to survive? And then you see the Arizona Diamondbacks are listening to trade offers for David Peralta, who I love, and I think that is a worthwhile trade candidate that the Mets can go after, a guy that is under contract next year for a very reasonable salary of $7.5 million. If you lose Conforto and free agency, Peralta fills that void for you. So this is something the Mets should consider. If you want to hear me, kind of go more in-depth about Peralta. Go back and look at the episode titled Trade Targets to Help Injury Riddle Mets on May 18th. And I spent a whole segment talking about Peralta's career and what he brings to the table. But really, this comes down to what do you think about Billy McKinney and to a certain extent, Kevin Pillar. Can those two guys be everyday outfielders next to Dominic Smith? Is that good enough? So far for McKinney, it has been. He's hitting 242 as a Met in 10 games with a 324 on base percentage and a 576 slugging percentage. He was the first Met ever to start their tenure with all six of their first hits going for extra bases. Two home runs, three doubles, and a triple. Since then, he's picked up a couple of singles. For the season, as a Met, he has a 900 OPS and a WRC plus of 146. For those of you who don't know, that stat measures hitters based on a league average of 100. 146 is excellent. You go to Kevin Pillar. We all love Pillar. He's an incredible leader. 
He has really just been one of the best parts of this team. He had a great month of May before getting hit in the face. His comeback has contributed. I do not want to knock Kevin Pillar, but looking at his stats as an everyday player, a 248 batting average, a 283 on base percentage, a 356 slugging percentage, that's a 639 OPS for the season, an 82 WRC+. It's a little bit below average for a starting outfielder. For a fourth outfielder, it's perfectly fine, but it's worth questioning if this is good enough to get you through this season. And as much as we have loved watching these Mets, you still can't call them an offensive juggernaut. So I look at those two things and I don't see either of them as something that would preclude you from going out and seeing what it would take to get Peralta or another outfielder that is a more established starting caliber player. When you look at Billy McKinney, he can play all three outfield positions according to the Mets. His sprint speed is in the 70th percentile, as is his outfielder jump. Kevin Pillar's outfielder jump this year ranks in just the 9th percentile, sprint speed in the 60th. Point being, could McKinney play center field? If Pillar can, I think McKinney can. That would just tell me that if the Mets were to get Peralta right now, they could roll out a platoon of McKinney and Pilar out in center field, and that could be your outfield until you get Nimmo or Conforto back, or eventually both. The only other thing you might have to think about is as you're dealing with the constant roster crunch, how much do you like Billy McKinney? I mean, if this guy continues to slug at a 576 clip, provide good defense, for you out in the outfield, I mean, that's a player that you really like moving forward. How sustainable is that? Is he the future fourth outfielder for the Mets for years to come? Is that how you look at him? Is he eventually a starter? Is he just scratching the surface of his potential? These are questions you have to answer because if he is all those things, if you believe it's sustainable, maybe you don't trade significant prospects to get a Peralta because you don't want to be put in that position when your team gets healthy with Nemo and maybe Conforto coming back where you would have to DFA McKinney because he has no options. I don't think that should stop you from improving your team right now. It just depends on what the prospect cost would be to get a player like Peralta. The fact that the Diamondbacks are listening is a good sign. But they're listening to every other team in baseball. There's a lot of teams that could use a David Peralta. So I would say short of trading your blue chip prospects, you know, the Alvarez's, the Mauricio, the Beatty. Maybe I consider it. I mean, Matthew Allen, JT Jen, there's certain prospects you wouldn't want to trade, but would you give up a Mark Vientos, let's just say? If that was the big prospect, the only prospect, I love Viento, so I don't know if I would even do it, but I'm just throwing a name out there. If there's a big market for Peralta, if you can trade one significant prospect, again, not your top of the line, but somewhere in the, say, 7 to 15 range, if that's what it takes, do you do it? Because you're about to go through a stretch as I continue to talk about. 34 games, 31 days, you need offense. And Peralta would certainly provide offense. And if you eventually get to a situation this year 
where you're heading into the playoffs trying to juggle playing time for four starting caliber players and Dominic Smith, Brandon Nimmo, Michael Conforto, David Peralta, you probably have a really damn good team with Kevin Pillar as your fifth outfielder. Is that worth it? I don't know. The Mets have to decide what is best for them. It all comes down to cost of acquisition. It all comes down to how much do you believe in Billy McKinney and Kevin Pillar? Because if you believe wholeheartedly in them as starting players, Pillar's your everyday center fielder right now. McKinney's in right field. And you just hope that you get the return of a Brandon Nemo, of a Jeff McNeil, of a Michael Conforto sooner rather than later to bolster that lineup a lot further than where you're at right now, where you're still just getting by, finding a way to win. We'll see. We will see. But I'm sure these are the conversations that are being had right now in the Mets front office, and we won't know it until a move is made. That's going to be all for today's edition of Locked on Mets. Tomorrow's show, of course, breaking down the Mets' first game of this series against the Baltimore Orioles. As always, thank you for listening. Make sure you follow, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure you follow me on Twitter, at FinkelsteinRyan. Follow the show, at Locked on Mets, doing another giveaway this week. A signed photo of Wally Backman. Make sure you check that out. Also, if you want to get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes, listen to the Locked on Today podcast, hosted by Peter Bukowski. Locked on Today updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.